0: I <laughs>
1: think uh. <laughs> <Anyway. laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh... This gun sure looks deadly, but it's not the least bit deadly unless I pointed at someone and pulled the trigger.
1: Gentlemen, this is Democracy
0: Manifest. Hello everybody and welcome back to Repeal the 20th Century. With me, I have Dr. Yuri Molsev. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Oh yes, uh, <clears throat> I was born and raised in the Soviet Union and I um, went to Moscow University and then I worked as an educator and worked as an economist for the government and was one of economic advisors to the Soviet government during the time of Perestroika. And then I was pretty frustrated by all of this. And I, in 1989, I defected to the United States while being on a business trip in Scandinavia. And uh, in the United States, I'm doing the same thing. I worked for the federal government in Washington D.C., if you can call it work, and then I um, uh, um, uh, found a, a kind of a real world job, and I'm teaching young Americans ideas of liberty, ideas of free market, and um, uh, and um, uh, doing a lot of other things as well, doing some research, uh, doing doing public speaking and. Trying to, trying to kind of uh, remind the people about the dangers that all of us face. Um, and uh, besides that, it's very sad for me to see that this country is um, looking more and more than the country that I've abandoned.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I first heard about you actually um, at Mises University Uh, during the summer of this last year. And um, after I had heard about you, I then also saw your interview with Jeff Dice about the Sovietization of America. And I thought the interview was really great, but I, I wanted to have you on to go more in depth into that because I think a lot of people are starting to draw parallels between the Soviet Union and the United States. I mean, Rothbard certainly did. In a, a strategy for the right, which was the inspiration for this channel name, "Repeal the 20th Century," in which he, you know, brought this conclusion of just how the Soviet Union is falling, maybe also the American regime will too. So, I wanted to first ask you where you think the Sovietization of America I- is happening most. What what is the key thing that is is where America starting to look a lot more like the U- Soviet Union?
1: I believe it. it's obvious that it's culture
0: mm-hmm.
1: culture is the forefront between the evil and good the culture is a forefront between the market and socialism um, uh, and what I would say if you will look uh, I think that we're losing this this fight uh, if you will look at higher education for example or secondary education, even. Or if you will look at uh, um, at Hollywood or um, our mass media, on all these fronts we're losing, and that's very sad because that's how they, I think that's both Lenin and Mao Zedong they believe that. You take over with culture. You change the culture. You have a cultural revolution. Uh, Antonio Gramsci was an Italian communist um, in 1920s and 1930s, before he was murdered by Mussolini. He, uh, he believed that, uh, that you don't even need to have a violent revolution. You don't even need to have, uh, to have barricades in the street. Uh, streets you need to brainwash people enough and they will be like ripe uh, Ripe grapes. They would just fall on the on the ground and that's what I think we, what we see today hmm
0: I have to agree with you completely that I think the time of violent communist revolutions yeah. has kind of subsided in past I think what the Soviet Union demonstrated and, and Mao's China and all these other communist regimes during the 20th century is that it doesn't work. It backfires and, and creates a stigma around communism. So I think they have really, you know, moved towards that um, move towards that strategy, as you describe. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you where where in the culture is this most pervasive i know you mentioned higher education but what is it specific ideas that you think are disseminating through these these venues and which venues um do you think are most controlled by uh these communists
1: yes uh, ludwig von mises he has a wonderful uh, i would say more like an essay rather than a book called anti-capitalist mentality in anti-capitalism, that's what they uh, what they are trying to cultivate: to cultivate hatred towards private property, hatred towards all kind of markets, financial markets, all other markets. Um, then uh, also, I would say, culturally, the woke uh, ideology is focused on creating a culture of victims. So victimhood is. Is being um, right now imposed on everybody. Then uh, also guilthood, I would call it, uh, the the guilt of the people who own something, uh, guilt of the people who maybe don't have the or have this certain type of skin pigmentation, and whatnot So this is, uh, this are uh, it's kind of like up front, because says Soviet communists they. Believed that the major enemy would be family. Family, because family is providing support mechanism for people. Uh, so then, um, then another one would be religion, church, synagogue, uh, mosque. Because there you go to people and they support you, just because you're one of them and whatnot. SO FROM THEIR POINT OF VIEW, THE BEST WOULD BE TO GET RID OF THE FAMILY AND HOW YOU CAN GET RID OF THE FAMILY. Um, MARX EVEN BELIEVED THAT THAT FAMILY IN THE CAPITALIST SOCIETY IS LEGALIZED PROSTITUTION. AND uh, THE SPOUSE AND CHILDREN ARE BEING OPPRESSED BY THE HEAD OF THE FAMILY, WHO WOULD BE, SAY, WHITE MALE. AND THEN um, uh, SO THAT SHOULD BE GONE. Uh, we can nationalize or socialize sex so people can meet each other without, moreover, it was a um, Russian, uh, well, actually, she's Swedish uh, communist, but she was a secretary of education, first commissar for education under Lenin's uh, dictatorship. Uh, She believed that uh, that, uh, sex should be Uh, should be completely you should remove all these romances around it that the people like Shakespeare with Romeo and Juliet and whatnot they were brainwashing people there is no romance there's no poetry about that it's just just pure sex that would be physiology and then the people should meet for example that's her um, in her book um, A glass of water so she believed white glass of water she believed that it should be as easy as drinking a glass if you're thirsty you drink a glass of water you don't uh, you don't compose uh, sonnets or 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 poems uh, uh, to to have that Um, and then people would meet at certain place in every town and city and uh, and then they would go to specially arranged uh, kind of like uh, uh, dorms or whatever, and they do with the and she believed that these people, if they are true communists, they shouldn't even ask each other's name. Because that would be already property rights. You see what I mean? If you if you would say I love you, whatever, that's nothing else but the claim. Claim to your property. So that was the the uh, kind of the ideas, that's number one. They never achieved that because some of them were pretty conservative, like Stalin, for example. And, uh, uh, and then the other thing would be religion. And religion was considered to be opium of the people. That's Marx's definition of religion. And the opium pushers, that means clerics, uh, they should be exterminated. They should be extremely, because they're completely worthless. And, uh, and for them, as he put it, uh, uh, the politics should be a, a pest control, a pest control. So, and sure enough, they murdered 900,000 um, 900, uh, priests, and nuns, and monks, and activists in the church in the Soviet Union alone. And there were another millions in China, uh, hundreds of thousands in Vietnam. Um, In China, for example, all Taoists were slated to be killed. Taoism is the most, I would think, free market kind of religion. Um, If you would look at that, that that people were kind of religious libertarians. Uh, one of the slogans was, um, be kind of humble don't be seen in the grass so uh, so that's the, the religion of non-intervention, religion of uh, no coercion religion of non-violence and they were uh, the same thing happened in Soviet Union and other communist countries that not all denominations were treated equally uh, but those who were the most freedom-oriented they were said to be to be murdered first, and a lot of uh, a lot of um, faithful people were sent to gulag, to Siberia, to and perished over there. Then, um, then uh, private property. Private property. Karl Marx he used to say that if you can summarize um, the the theory of socialism in one word, would be abolition of private property. So you need to to abolish private property. And if you abolish private property, then you become a slave. That's Alexis de Tocqueville, was telling us even in 1828. He was saying that people without property are slaves. He didn't mean that you should be a man of property, not to be a slave, but access to property, uh, access. and, And if you will, I mean, John Locke, my favorite philosopher, and chung Locke he believed that that private property is especially applicable to yourself that private property is your freedom that uh, uh he would ask who owns you who owns you i think walter williams would repeat that very very, very often um, but that who owns you and if you own yourself you're a free man and if somebody else owns you you're a slave of those who own you, and socialism is nothing but slavery, because the government owns you. It's kind of public slavery. It's a socialized slavery, nationalized slaves, and that's why they are so murderers in all the socialist countries. That's why they murder tens of millions of people, in uh, from Soviet Union to China to to Mongolia to to Albania, to all these countries suffered um, so much. Um, overall, the toll of socialism, according to uh, Rudy Rommel, uh, the uh, uh, famous American demographer, is almost 200 million people in 20th century alone. So that's who the people who were murdered by their own governments. He believed that it is the most deadly disease ever seen by humankind. Uh, so there's this, and then when you have all this together, then you really make people slaves, and then you can do whatever you want to do with them. And we can see this the same thing happening today in Ukraine, when the ex-KGB colonel and uh, uh, member of, of the Communist Party is uh, committing all these crimes. Uh, and misdemeanors in um, in the country, which is trying to get rid of corruption, which is trying to uh, embrace free market principles.
0: Yeah, I, I I have to agree with you, and and I very much appreciate your analysis of kind of the the communists' um, goals and and how they achieve those goals, and um, but I, I did want to ask you too because uh, as I mentioned earlier Rothbard in a strategy for the right as the Soviet Union was collapsing was kind of saying well now maybe we can replicate this in the United States and as you said in your interview in Sovietization of America you believe that the you know the US is becoming very much like the Soviet Union but do you think that you know the symptoms we're seeing right now of society whether it be inflation, um you know shortages of of necessary goods do you think that that is a repeat of the fall of the soviet union or do you think we still got a long way to go before we're some in a situation like that
1: well hopefully we'll have some way to go um i would agree with even president obama who's not my favorite but he said elections have consequences and that's we are living through these consequences of poor choices made by american people and then and now we have we have a government which is uh which is a socialist government which the goal of mr biden the goal of the people around him um is to introduce as much socialism as uh, possible well the good thing about mr biden is that uh, he is not very efficient it looks like he is cognitively challenged uh, it looks like he he can't achieve much, so I am not so much afraid of him, but I am very much afraid of people around him. If you will look at the socialist fanatics like Kamala Harris or um, many others, then uh, that's that's very very sad. From another hand, I wouldn't exaggerate that. I think we still have some way to go, and I still we still have some chances to get out of that through the legitimate kind of constitutional um, channels like elections which are coming in November, then 2024 elections. I think but but if we would lose that, then uh, then we would lose our future. I believe that that's uh, it's not that I' AM, I'm not a Republican activist or whatnot, but anytime, if you have a choice between bolsheviks and mensheviks i choose mensheviks
0: yeah i i think that is a a, an apt comparison here the, the the difference between the bolsheviks and the mensheviks um when it comes to republicans and democrats at least especially right now um but i wanted to pivot a little more um to talk about the former soviet union russia And how a lot of people are saying, um, no, we're not seeing a Sovietization of America. We're seeing a re-Sovietization of Russia and a restarting of the Cold War. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I think that dynamic, our current dynamic between Russia um, with the context being around the Ukraine-Russia war is a very interesting way and also I think a prime area where you can see Sovietization of possibly both countries.:
1: Well, um, what if we will just uh, go one after another, and uh, the first, uh, let's look at Russia. There was a, um, a famous Italian playwright in Ennio, his last name was, and he used to say that we have two types of fascists: fascists and anti-fascists. AND THAT'S an ABSOLUTELY TRUE. SO WE HAVE RIGHT NOW AN fascist ANTI-FASCIST REGIME IN MOSCOW. BECAUSE uh, PUTIN IS NOT A SOCIALIST. HE WAS A MEMBER OF THE COMMUNIST PARTY MOST OF HIS LIFE. BUT HE IS NOT A COMMUNIST. HE IS A FASCIST. BECAUSE WHAT IS FASCIST? IT'S NATIONAL SOCIALISM. BECAUSE HE IS A NATIONALIST AND HE IS A SOCIALIST AND HE IS POWER-HUNGRY. He believes that he is the kind of the navel of the world, and he believes that for some reason the God entrusted him in ruling the world. And he is, uh, um, you know that he has a Napoleonic complex for sure, uh, because he is a very short man. I mean, there is nothing wrong to be short, but if you, uh, but if you if you hate being short, then you wear very high heels. And high heels are uh, kind of uh, the first symptom of Napoleonic complex, and he does, and he, uh, and he right now um, attacking. I mean, that's the war in Ukraine. It's just the, it, it is the most the worst thing of the 21st century, the worst thing of the 21st century because. This is. Besides that, it is not. It's not about NATO. Some people saying it's about NATO, uh, let Ukraine don't. No, this is not about NATO. It's not about Ukraine even, uh, because he will not stop. He will not stop. That's why I am uh, being a libertarian. From another hand, I am all for Ukraine. I am. I, I was a. a reserve officer of Soviet Soviet Army now I am uh, giving money to to uh, uh, all kind of uh, institutions in Ukraine who are killing the Soviet officers or Russian officers because uh, because they shouldn't be there that's the first thing they shouldn't be killing people in the Stalin's way of tying their hands behind them they shouldn't be raping people so it is, it is an atrocious thing. And besides that, he will not stop. He will not stop. That's why uh, I had yesterday, we, I had a, a, a wonderful party at, at my house and with a lot of u- Ukrainians and Russians visiting and, 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 uh, and, and my friends and Americans. And I would say that, uh, I would say that Ukrainians are fighting for all of us today. So that's the, um, to some extent, I don't know whether it's good or bad, but to some extent, it is making us more close to each other. You know that after the after elections of 2020, the country was very much divided. Today we have more or less, at least, at least at uh, thinking about Ukraine. Uh, people are getting closer to each other because evil is evil and so that's why we have a relative unity between even on that issue between uh, 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 the parties on the other hand definitely Ukraine it is a war in Ukraine it is a repudiation of the market some people are thinking that uh, how oh, come on, do, do, do. the war is always a negation? I, I was blessed to know Murray Rodbert personally and very well. And he was one of the dearest friends and my mentor as well, and Joy, his, his wife. And, um, and I would say that, that Murray, um, he had a very really interesting distinction between nationalism of the big countries and nationalism of the small countries. He he was making the point that nationalism of the big countries is bad because it's chauvinism. It can lead to fascism, can lead to dictatorship. However, chauvinism, not chauvinism, sorry, nationalism of the small countries, it is a good thing because nationalism of the small countries keep them proud, keep them defending whatever legacy they got, uh, keeping them together and keeping them culturally distinct from from others so i remember uh, how uh, murray many times he was praising especially baltic states lithuania latvia estonia and we had a wonderful conference in washington dc in 1990 uh, when uh, uh, and murray made a wonderful wonderful uh, speech there and we had a delegation uh, 12 people from Lithuania. Uh, even uh, um, Gottfried Habler, a great Austrian economist, who was kind of outside of the school for a while, because he was teaching in Harvard. Uh, and then he he rejoined the Institute. He rejoined the One Mises, uh, the One Mises and the One Mises Circle. Uh, and that's why we had it in Washington, because he was Already ninety-three years old, and he couldn't travel much. So it was not that uh, it's it's uh, not that Mohammed came to the to the mountain, but mountain came to the Mohammed So that was uh, that was a great event, and and I remember that's that's true. That uh, that nationalism of Ukrainians is a good thing. Nationalism of say Russians is not a good thing because it's. Starting to be fascism and uh, uh, intimidating fascism. And definitely, US nationalism, especially economic nationalism, is not good at all because it unites nationalism, even in small countries. I would say it's not that I disagree with Murray Rothbard, but I would say that nationalism always is a form of collectivism. Then you you can you can kind of twist people's arms into supporting the government because of nationalism. But from another hand uh, from another hand, if you will look at the at the governments of small countries, um, free countries, it's usually also free and small governments. So like, for example, Ukrainian government, which is headed by uh, by a very funny, um comedian yeah uh, i i knew about him very well before he was elected president of ukraine and i would uh, advise everybody if you would go to youtube and put Zelensky there and you would uh you would you wouldn't believe what you can see Uh because he he was really uh kind of uh, i mean as prominent as bob hope here uh, but uh but completely of different type of style, and today, uh, today it's again. For example, Trump. If you look at Trump. You look at Reagan. If you look at Zelensky, uh, they are not professional politicians, and that's why I think they were the best presidents we had, uh, because they were not they were not selling out from. Uh, from just graduating from college with political science degree, like most of them do. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I think your commentary on you know what the Ukraine war is kind of doing both to Russia and the United States, and kind of I think I think it is very pulling them both into that Soviet mindset, at least the Cold War era mindset, and I think that can be very troubling, especially as, you know, how Murray Rothbard wrote a lot about how the Cold War mindset was really just often a uh, excuse for increasing the state's power, just as you mentioned, nationalism can be as well. Um, But I think another thing I want to move to is kind of, um, what kind of, what is the outlook that you think of where we're going next in terms of Sovietization. Do you think that um, they're gonna get bolder? Is is there some kind of next thing they're going to do? Because I know you talked a lot about in that interview about how COVID was a big step in, in that and how they got very bold in in terms of that, which they very much did but we're now seeing a kind of waning down of that. Um, so w- where do you think they're going to go next with this?
1: That was an interesting essay by Lenin, which is called one step forward, two steps back. And, uh, what, uh, I think he, um, his point was that sometimes we need to do some sacrifices and sometimes they do sacrifices, but from another hand, FROM ANOTHER HAND, I THINK they, THEY ARE VERY AGGRESSIVE, EXTREMELY, EXTREMELY AGGRESSIVE. AND WHAT do THEY DO? WELL, THE GOOD THING IS THAT ni- 1984 DEPARTMENT IN THE WHITE HOUSE WAS CANCELLED BECAUSE THEY WANTED TO HAVE, to, TO KIND OF LIKE, TO HAVE AN IDEOLOGICAL POLICE. Um, BUT WE HAVE A LOT OF SELF-POLICING IN ACADEMIA, FOR EXAMPLE, IN, in SCHOOLS ALSO. Um, that's the whole educational establishment is all socialists and that's what they what they want to do then um, uh, another kind of field I believe again is culture and another field is is uh, erosion of property rights because uh, look I mean um, uh, mr. Trump uh, he was, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not making heroes out of politicians, uh, no matter whom, whom, they, whom they are, but I would give him credit that he eradicated a lot of regulations and it was said to eradicate even more. And today we see these regulations are coming back, coming back in full speed. And uh, now the flag of revolution is not red, it is green. So the, under the pretext that we have climate change, then we, uh, well, that's what we do. Um, then we are destroying private property, we're destroying human rights, we're intimidating everybody into something else, doing something else. And this is um, this and it doesn't have any excuse and any justification. I think that that Mary Rothbard, he used to say uh, that this environmentalist, are like a watermelon, they're green outside and red inside, and that's uh, that's absolutely true.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right there. Um, the last kind of thing I wanted to ask you about is we talked a lot about you know how America is you know becoming more like the Soviets, and um, you know, how how that happens and everything but I wanted to ask you you know how do we turn how do you think the tide will turn against Sovietization do you have any specific ideas on what needs to be done or any kind of thing or where do you think we 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 need to go to make to either stop Sovietization or at least turn the tide
1: well I think that both of us um, are doing our job that you, Peyton, you have a, a problem, which maybe will open some eyes. And that would be, and that's how we need to go, one by one. It's not, I am trying to do my job is also uh, to warn people about the trap that they, as many of them are foolishly walking into. Uh, so then um, I think was a, uh, uh, I mean, there's a nice quote by von Mises that uh, he has a wonderful, very short essay called Our Historians of, De- of Decay, of Decline, of Demise. Our Historians of that. For many people, many people will think, yes, we are. Yes, we look at Look outside of the window. Look at this inflation. Look at all this. This communists in the white house and around but uh, from another hand what means is after saying that yes even with um, uh, uh, historians of decline uh, what can we do we should fight we should not say yes we are kind of declining uh, it's a soviet republic already and whatnot then we are losing the battle and i think that we should should fight until the last drop of our blood, and uh, that's why that's why I'm associated proudly with the Von Mises Institute and um, and many other uh, uh, groups which are on the side of liberty. Uh, that's the that's that's very very important. Uh, besides that, I believe that what else can we do? <laughs> We should just we should not be lazy. We should um, we should write. We should speak. We should uh, we should yeah. Well, right now I'm not a great kind of um, fan of of democracy, and uh, and Hans Hoppe is my old and wonderful friend, and uh, uh, but from another hand, uh, we should vote as well because that's uh, that's also uh, also. Um, a chance for us to revert, to make some reverses. And again, it's, uh, I would, I mean, I would prefer, be, because under the Democrats, that's a misnomer name for the party. They should call themselves Socialist Party of the United States. and uh, um, And again, I'm not saying that Republicans are perfect. No, they're not. Uh, but at least movement towards communism under them would be kind of slowed down they are not so uh, so eager to to move that that very way because uh, because many of them are people of property and many of them I would say um, that's an interesting study I wanted to do some research in this field there's just not much data but I think that that's Republicans who are paying the, the, the major bulk of the taxes, which is used by socialist uh, Democrats, to uh, to promote socialism, communism, in the United States, and definitely wars. It's another kind of thing that they're very fond of, because the more wars you have, uh, the more the war is the war is socialism. It's central planning, it's central command economy, yeah, so that's what it
0: is. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanted to give you this um, a bit of time to uh, promote anything of yours that you think my viewing audience should see, um, where they can find you, and so the floor is yours.
1: All right. okay, yes. I am very very active on Facebook. I have 5,000 um friends there and uh, and so i am writing there because as much as i don't like mr zuckerberg but from another hand it's quite a platform that you can reach out for example if i would write an academic article how many people would read it three five ten maximum um, over there this is one thing so just befriend me there then, um, I'm writing, I have a lot of publications published on Von Mises' platform, on lurockwell.com. You can just uh, put my name there and read what I... Uh, besides that, I'm publishing some stuff somewhere else, but again, you can send me an email, and I would be happy to um, uh, to, to reply, to have a dialogue with you. Yes. So that's uh,
0: All right. I will make sure to include all those things in the description of these uploads. I want to thank you again for coming on so much, and uh, you have a wonderful day now.
1: Thank you, Peyton. The same to you, and the same to your program. I think that you are doing a very good job in doing this, what you are doing. All right. Good